How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm good. I just had a ch- chicken sandwich, so uh, I feel I feel really charged up for this game. Not this game. We just had a game. I really feel charged up for this conversation. Good. Sorry, Eric. I'm 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 just struggling right now, I guess. But um, but you know, whatever. It's just it's just You're another chicken sandwich drunk. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. we've all been there before. We've all been chicken sandwich just, drunk. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just just another ho hum bucks taking care of business night, right? I mean, we we we're so used to that, right? This season, <laughs> just another oh, first win against the Sixers in three tries. I guess I guess we weren't so used to that, but um, a one twelve ninety eight win in Philly. Uh, uh, n- not surprising, but, but you know, given this Bucks team, uh, I don't know. It feels like nothing is uh, is it can be taken for granted, right? Absolutely. Um, any anything that you would expect actually happening is a surprise with this Bucks team because they are they're up and down, and you don't really know what to expect with this with this team. I know. Uh, Matt Moore had tweeted something about the Bucks' schedule um, as the season winds down, and it was like, well, there's X games against above 500 teams or something. And in my head, it was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> okay, like I, they're above 500, but the Bucks sometimes play good against teams above 500, and sometimes they play their worst games against the worst teams in the league, and sometimes they're great offensively against those teams, and sometimes they're bad defensively. And there's there's no patterns, there's no there's nothing I can see when I look at the numbers that say, okay, in tonight's game, I know that the Bucks will blank. I just I don't have that with this team. Um, so I get like you said it. It's good to see um, that they actually took care of business and didn't lose an S2L. Um, that That's a very good thing. Uh, they win 112.98. Um, Giannis with a, with a ho-hum, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks, 0 turnovers, uh, 9 of 12 from the free throw line, 7 of 13 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, and a plus 14 on the night. Uh, this... I guess this is going to be the Tony Snell game. 21 points for him, 5 of 7 from 3. Middleton looked good as well, 13 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds for him. They looked good tonight. Uh, I don't know if there's really any other way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of felt like after watching that game, I was like, well, you know what? We don't need to talk that much about this game because they kind of came in there as the better team. You know, Joel Embiid is out. Uh, I don't know if Jaleel Okafor not playing makes the Sixers better or worse, but... He didn't play, and Rashawn Holmes did have some moments. So um, I, I don't know if that really goes that far in the Bucks' favor, but but obviously Embiid being out is is the huge swing vote, and um, of course Jared Bayless once again not playing the 76ers. He's out for the year, but um, but yeah, I mean they came in and you know jumped out to a 12-2 lead, um, never really threatened. You know the Sixers kind of got back into it a little bit in the first quarter, 
Um, but the Bucks, I think, kind of showed their I, don't, I hesitate to say it showed their class because that's probably giving the Bucks too much credit. But um, <laughs> I think some of the things we saw against uh, the the Raptors and Clippers, as far as uh, the Bucks kind of getting their drive and kick game going, shooting a lot of threes. Obviously, Snell was was huge and a big part of that. But um, I think you tweeted out the stat. Was this the second most threes they've taken all year, or something like that? Yep, thirty three threes tonight. Uh, ties for the second most. They had done it another time against. Uh, Brooklyn, I believe it was, and then the most in the season is 34, and that was against the Kings. And you'll remember that was kind of in that November stretch where all of a sudden they were just jacking up threes, and it was all kind of cool and awesome, and then, well, they went back to not jacking up as many threes. Um, But yeah, 33 threes, second most this season in a game. Yeah, and I think they started 12 out of 22, so they kind of kept jacking in the fourth quarter when the Sixers obviously were were out of the game and, and, you know, kind of that was the one quarter of the Sixers won, which I think nobody's going to lose sleep over. So, um, you know, I think, again, we, we talked last night about, you know, okay, what would you want the Bucks offense to do more of? Um, to be honest, I think what we've seen from the past few games is what we'd like to see more of, you know, being willing to, to drive, kick, you know, spot up, look for the three-point shot, um, use the gravity of guys like Giannis and Middleton to to try to create those types of looks. And um, even guys who are not, you know, <laughs> gravity guys, you know, if if the ball's moving and, you know, again, you, you start with an action that, that creates, uh, you know, makes the defense bend and you can make a good kickout pass to a guy spotted up at the arc, you know, you can attack closeouts and guys who are who are not creators can sort of keep the, the you know, kind of keep that type of, of offensive um, fluidity going and, and you can work around for, for good threes. I thought... And now I'm trying to remember who hit it. Oh, I just had a flash in my mind. There was that one ball movement, um, I think it was in the first half, where um, they were kicking it around the perimeter, and the last pass was actually kind of like a cross-court pass. Yeah, it was Delhi to Middleton. Uh, but yeah, they were moving it, and it was just going like station to station, and then the Sixers were going to jump that last one. Yeah, and, then and it, so they adjusted, yeah. right? Delhi yeah. adjusted and threw it to Middleton on the yeah. wing rather than moving it back to the top of the key. Correct. Um, that was just like, you know, the, the, the bench was going crazy at that point. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it, it was fun to watch. So, again, I mean, like, you know, you don't you don't kind of get carried away with a game like this. Um, but certainly for a Bucks team that, you know, is trying to keep pace in the playoffs, uh, in the playoff hunt, I think they're tied a game and a half out of the eighth spot with Miami, uh, both teams in ninth. Um, you know, again, this is uh, this is a time when, <laughs> I mean, good Lord, you've already dropped two games at home to the 76ers this year. The second one without Joel Embiid, like you cannot afford to, to you know, have another game where, where you fall asleep. So, um, so kind of a, you know, again, uh, I won't say must win, a sucks to lose. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they kind of came out and took care of business and, you know, did what the Bucks should do uh, against the 76ers team that, that obviously is um, just at a major talent deficit. And, um, you know, obviously, I mean, this is a team that struggled to score you know, overall as a team, even during kind of their good phase when Embiid was, was healthy there a couple months back. Yep. Um, when they lost, when they beat the Bucks, um, they were like great defensively and still really bad offensively. Uh, and finally tonight, they actually, you know, the Bucks actually looked like they were playing a team that was, was not good offensively for much of the night until maybe the fourth quarter. So um, thank you Sixers for not uh, embarrassing the Bucks defense yet again. <laughs> um, I, you brought something interesting up there. Uh, we've talked over the last, I don't know how many weeks, months, etc., um, about the idea of 
oh, if the Bucks lose, we'll give you the, the lottery rankings. If they win, we'll give you the playoff rankings. And you just mentioned that, okay, they're, what is it, now a game and a half back um, of the eighth spot in the East. And I, I guess I was just kind of disappointed to see on my timeline as many Bucks fans as I saw tonight say something to the effect of, well, I don't really know if I should be excited about this win because it takes them away from having a better lottery pick or something like that. And to me, it feels like that's over. That The Bucks aren't tanking. The Bucks aren't getting a top five pick. If they were tanking, the, the trade deadline would have been selling off any parts that had any value and just going bare bones the rest of the way with Giannis in a lineup of Rashad Vaughn and I don't even know who else playing with him like that that would have already happened I I feel like we're to a point where we can all kind of admit to each other that that's not happening anymore right am I am I crazy in this because I feel like I, I know I can see okay well they're one and a half games away from the eighth spot but they're also three games away from the seventh spot in the lottery and while that's true it also seems somewhat deceitful like the the dis the teams between that one and a half games is not nearly as many as there is between you and the sixth spot in the lottery um i don't know it, it's just something that bothers me like i it felt like this should have been a night you could have enjoyed the win Giannis looked good uh tony snell has a big game uh Chris Middleton looks good again, appears to be somewhat back. This is his third game in four nights and plays 30 minutes, looks good. There's exciting things there, and instead it's, well, now now our pick's not going to be as good. And I I just can't get behind it, Frank. Well, I think there are a few things going on here. And um, first off, I think if people – I think there's probably a lot of people who – might otherwise be happy for especially Giannis to make a run and try to get that eight spot if not for the fact that um, a lot of people who would not like to see Jason Kidd come back next year probably would be you know are torn on the idea well if they make the playoffs then if that saves Kidd's job then I don't know if I want to root for that and it's I think it puts I think a lot of fans are kind of in this like you know sort of torn spot where they you know look at the fact that obviously the Bucks, record-wise have not made any real progress under Kidd the last couple of years, and obviously there's some different reasons for that. But you know, I mean, the defense is the kind of easy thing that people always are gonna are gonna look at, right? I mean, like the Bucks defense has gotten you know worse since a great first season under Kidd, and they haven't adapted, it seems. And you know, maybe they've been a little bit better of late, but um, but it's frustrating kind of watching this team, and and it just seems like you know with Kidd that we talked about offensively, they've actually finally started to be pretty good offensively, <laughs> yeah. but they still sort of feel like they're a little behind the times. They don't shoot that many threes relative to other teams, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think there's frustration with that. And, and so that kind of plays into the whole like kid, um, kid discussion. Um, I think aside from that, like personally, I've never really been able to root for losing per se. Um, and, and I think, and I, again, I, I think there are absolutely times when, um, you know, let's just say this, not winning. And uh, as I was saying before the All-Star break, hey, optimize the 2017 lottery pick. You know, optimizing yeah. your lottery pick, um, there are absolutely times when it makes sense to do that. Um, you know, I think you're seeing with the Sixers, you know, again, they've had all these injuries, but they're an example of, you know, Sixers aren't that much worse than the Bucks right now, despite all their injuries, in part because, you know, they've loaded up on all these assets and they've got a ton more assets coming their way. Um, but I just... I, 
the thing I hate is is the you know the word tanking sort of has ruined <laughs> has the ruined, worst. Like, oh. the, the the idea of of trying to sort of you know build for the future and playing young guys that may be at the expense of of you know just playing vets and winning games now and I think for the Bucks you know as you said like you know is 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 sort of the uh, optimization of of uh, lottery positioning for this year is that kind of over just because you have Giannis healthy and you have Middleton now back looking pretty good and you know you weren't able to trade Monroe at the deadline I think kind of that that combination of factors and the fact that you know okay well which young guys do you want to play um well Thon is playing and really doesn't hurt you that much I mean yeah you know again he's got a long way to go but it's not like he's costing you wins versus you know it's not like you're gonna win four more games if you start John Henson instead of Thon Maker right I mean I think you can make some case that Thon actually probably helps <laughs> you more than John Henson in, yeah. in, in, in many respects um you know, Monroe's here, and, you know, again, they could just bench Monroe entirely or, you know, shut him down with no injury. But, you know, again, I, I don't blame a franchise for, for not just sort of laying down like that. And, you know, really the only thing that you could look, I think, at the roster and say, oh, well, this is something you could do that would be more, like, youth-oriented that would probably hurt the team would be, you know, if you force-fed Rashad Vaughn tons of minutes. And, they have done a little bit of that at times. You know, Jason Kidd has not been afraid to play Vaughn, and I think that's been kind of a factor, you know, kind of at times been kind of confusing. Like, okay, are they trying to <laughs> uh, play the young guys? Are they not as worried about making, you know, winning games? Is yeah. Kidd thinking that he needs to do this just to kind of keep everybody on the roster engaged? What What is it? But, um, but yeah, I think at this point, you know, given they didn't really kind of give away key, key rotation guys at the deadline, especially Monroe, um, you know, as long as you have a healthy, or you know, as long as the remainder of the roster is healthy, uh, especially Middleton and Giannis, I mean, it's kind of hard to just be awful um, unless basically the team completely loses faith in Jason Kidd, which it kind of looked like they had yeah. a couple weeks ago or a week ago, I guess you should say. Um, so it, it's yeah, it, it's difficult, and I and I think it, I don't know. I hate tanking because you know if you're like, oh, the Bucks should tank, then it's like, well, what do you? If you if you you can't cheer for them to tank because then they're gonna not want to tank because they're you're calling it tanking. <laughs> like you have to you have to dress it up better, you know. And as fans, uh, fans don't really dress up tanking, and it's it's kind of I don't know. I I think it it diminishes it it, it kind of is unfair because I think a lot of times you know again building for the future, playing young guys, that's different from you know. Mark Madsen shooting what was it like 10 threes in a game oh, <laughs> whatever yeah, for the, that was for the Timberwolves like yeah. 10 years ago or something like that you know I mean it's different from the coach up from coaches and players like actively doing things inside a game that like make you lose right if the front office just says like play these guys um you know again you can call that tanking but I just feel like people kind of paint too broad a brush with tanking and um again I just think it it kind of makes teams not want to, you know, it makes teams embarrassed to do it just because of that word. And, and it's kind of like, you know, geez, it kind of ruins, <laughs> kind of ruins it in a way, which is weird to say, but I don't know, but I agree. I think the bucks may be, maybe past the tank, even though they're really not that far out of a top 10 pick at this point. Yeah. And I, I think they could certainly get a top 10 pick by just playing these guys. Like we've seen this team lose 12 of 14. <laughs> we've seen this team be bad. So that's, that's very well something that could still happen. Um, I guess the thing that always just bothers me is 
tanking is just kind of this coverall word that's used to describe anything. And I guess I'm always more interested in uh, the machinations behind trying to tank. So, like you said, all right, so you play Rashad Vaughn 30 minutes a night. So if you do that, then that means he's cutting into probably, so what, 20 of Terry's minutes and then 10 of Tony Snell's? Like, I don't know who else's minutes he's taking at this point with a healthy Chris Middleton. So probably Snell or maybe also some of Brogdon's minutes at the two where they've been playing him. Like the other night he plays 40 minutes and some of that's at the two. So you're actively asking the Bucks to play Rashad Vaughn while that may hurt other young players that could still be a part of your team. And not to mention the fact that, oh, it could hurt Giannis, who you're trying to get better and improve because Rashad Vaughn doesn't know what he's doing on the floor. Or I guess the same thing with Thon Maker. Like, okay, don't play Greg Monroe anymore, but play Thon Maker. Well, I think Jason Kidd made it pretty clear on Friday night that when he was talking about Thon, he thinks they're already doing a great job by getting him 15 minutes a night. Like, for them at this point, getting Thon Maker 15 minutes is a bonus. Like, they are doing well in getting this young kid 15 minutes a night. I don't know if Thon can handle more than that every night. Um, he had four fouls in 15 minutes tonight. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he can handle much more. I don't know if his body can handle much more. I don't know if that's a beating that's even good for him to take. So, I guess the the thing with tanking for me always is one. I don't, I don't actively like sending a message to players that you're trying to lose, um, and I really don't like it when one of your players is one of the ten best players in the league. <laughs> And that guy's also 22 and just started the All-Star game. Like, I, I don't think that's a message you necessarily want to send to your star player. Um, it, it just feels dirty to me. And I totally get it. I would much rather have the sixth pick of this draft than the 15th pick of this draft. I, I totally understand it. But at the same time, I just don't know if it's healthy for an organization to do at this point. And like you said, at the all-star break if you sold all those things off for parts and kind of made it a priority and really tried maybe but even then i don't know if you're getting to the top five like there's some really bad basketball teams you saw one of them tonight in philly um especially without mb they're bad brooklyn you're not catching the lakers you're not catching phoenix you're not catching all teams that you've seen the bucks play somewhat recently orlando you're probably not catching like i i don't know it, it just all feels dirty to me i don't like the use of the word and i i don't even think that it's a strategy that the bucks could successfully execute at this point like <laughs> wait is that a is that a knock on the bucks or is that because they're they're they have too much talent they have what, too much talent like okay. Giannis is way too good and middleton looks way too good at this point um to for them to actively lose games so i i said it i don't even know when it was that you could try to either make a playoff run or be awful and tank with this team and not do anything at all because I think this team has both of those extremes in them they could be very good or they could also play awful and quit on Jason Kidd like you said and all of a sudden you're there so I don't know it it, it was just it was a frustrating moment for me tonight to open up my Twitter feed and see as many people as I saw say something to the fact of well this doesn't help their pick any it's like come on that was fun like they they actively played good basketball. There was possessions like the one you mentioned where you're like, oh my gosh, 
that was a good basketball team. That was a good basketball play. And those moments have been so few and far between, aside from Giannis's individual transcendent moments, that isn't that just fun to watch and good to see? Well, we'll see. I mean, I mean, that's the question, right? Is is where where does you know this latest three game win streak take them, right? And you know, too often uh, we've seen them kind of show some signs of life. Whether it was the three game win streak coming into the All Star break, whether it's now this three game win streak, um, and we haven't been able to reliably count on them turning that into something kind of bigger, right? We've seen two three game win streaks left and right. Well, where's the six game win streak, right? We we just we, we haven't seen that kind of consistency. Now, I mean, the the interesting thing is they're now seven and three in their last ten games. They're seven and four since Jabari Parker went down, which, um, you know, considering it coincided with Middleton coming back, I don't know if it's that surprising. Um, I would had, probably say no. Yeah, they've had a home heavy schedule. Um, you know, Middleton as far even you know from what we've seen of Middleton so far, I think even Jabari having improved this year there's little doubt to me that Middleton absolutely helps you win games more than Jabari does at this point in their career tonight our good friend Ben Thompson tweeted something out to the effect of oh Middleton essentially saying that exact same thing and then in parentheses said something like well defense counts too so Middleton is a better performer and then I sent him a text or a tweet that said is is the parentheses even was that, was that even needed? Because I think Middleton's probably a better offensive player than Jabari Parker at this point. Like I, I don't know that Jabari's eclipsed him offensively yet, so he's certainly much better defensively, and I think you can make a strong argument that he's better offensively as well. So, yeah, it, to me it's not at all surprising that Middleton has had a, a more positive impact on this team than Jabari Parker. Yeah, I think especially when your other star player is, is Giannis, right? Because... Middleton, I think, brings sort of a, a degree, you know, again, he doesn't have the explosiveness, doesn't have the, the flash of Jabari. Um, you know, I'm sure many people obviously would argue, you know, Jabari has, still has or had before the injury, you know, a, a degree of upside that Chris maybe doesn't have, right? Chris For maybe sure. is sort yeah. of what he is. But look, I mean, when your best player is, you know, a dynamic sort of rim attacking um, player whose only weakness is perimeter shooting, then having kind of a guy who can, you know, slow the ball down, hit threes, um, be able to punish guys, you know, with with jumpers off the dribble, sort of, you know, and and be kind of a more reliable, maybe late clock guy, um, and stretch the floor and make plays and do all those things. Um, that's going to be more valuable than having a dynamite kind of like finisher, um, you know, explosive transition guy like Jabari. Because again, I'm not saying Giannis and Jabari can never play together or something like that. Because I don't think that's the case. But, um, but in terms of complementary styles, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think Chris, Chris is, yeah, Chris can play with anyone. Giannis should be able to play with anyone, right? Jabari yeah. is maybe a little more specialized. Now, and to be clear, the Bucks don't have to choose necessarily. <laughs> like, correct. It's just we're just bra- bringing it up because obviously um you know we're, we we've had no choice but to kind of compare given that that chris and, and jabari of course he never played together um and it was interesting actually uh, kevin pelton the espn insider wrote a um or did a, a an analysis piece where he basically projected out based on rpm and expected playing time distributions i guess um what what teams would project out in terms of records um through the end of the season and um uh, unfortunately bucks fans uh an all too familiar place for the Bucks. He had them in ninth, but had them at 39 <laughs> wins, which um, was uh, was I don't know. 
I'd say somewhat encouraging if they could get to 39 wins. I think they'd have a, a fighting shot at the playoffs if they got there. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of his big points is that trading Jabari for for get for Chris effectively, um, you know, is a, a net win win. But you know, even so, right now, if I look at after this game, if I look at the 5:38 sort of live um, projection model, has the Bucks at 38 and 44 with only a 25% chance of making the playoffs. Um, about even with the the Hornets also at 38 and 44 and a 23% chance of making the playoffs. So it's um it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they still have a game against the Bulls. Um, they still have um, I think what two games against the Pacers. Um, and I think, do they have one more against the yeah, Pacers? Yeah, they, they have the Pacers on Friday and then the Pacers again in the final week of the season. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, the Bucks have a tough road trip coming out out west. That's probably going to be, you know, where the season is maybe made or broken. Um, but I guess they're kind of, you know, they continue to give themselves a fighting chance. And um, maybe that's a famous last word thing with the Knicks coming down <laughs> on Wednesday. But, um, you know, if they win that game, then, then obviously uh, – you know, again, maybe we can maybe we maybe we can take them a little more seriously, but um, it seems like no matter win or loss, um, they just never really make much progress in in the standings one way or the other. They're just always kind of a game or two out of of the eighth spot, and no matter how bad they look or how good they look, uh, it just doesn't seem to matter. Well, I think the big thing is they would have to be good or bad for longer than a week at any point. Like yeah. you, you need to make an extreme move in one direction to get out of the kind of spot that they're in. Because, like you said, well, if they do try to, if they are gonna keep going for a playoff spot, well, there's a bunch of other teams that that are in their way to get that playoff spot. And well, if they want to try to go for a better lottery spot, well, there's a bunch of teams in their way that way. So, uh, a trend in either direction for longer than a week would kind of make that decision and decide that for them and let them know where they would be going or what they would be doing. So uh, I think we, and you know what, with this team, I don't know if we are ever going to get one of those. They very well could come back home, have three straight home games and lose all three. And then all of a sudden go on the road and win some. Like I I said, to start this podcast, I don't know what this team is going to do. Uh, I don't think there's any real solid way to predict what they're going to do. So uh, it's kind of just a, a wait and see and see what they happen to do on that specific night. Um, that was more big picture stuff. Any other things from this game that you wanted to touch on, Frank? Um, I was going to say the Sixers are bad. Um, they're, they're, yep. they're, they're not good. Um, I, I'm very aware of that and watching them made me even more aware of that. Um, I thought, Again, Chris Middleton, man, he's – I don't want to say he's back because obviously he's still on a minutes limit and they're trying to hold him down closer to 30. I know he plays 32 tonight, so I think we're getting awfully close to a spot where there isn't a minutes limit with him. Um, but three games and four nights, that might be just as hard as kind of the back-to-back that uh, we talked so much about over the weekend that he looked good in a back-to-back and him looking good on – in, a, in the third game of four four nights like that I thought was very impressive and uh, he continues to remind me of how good <laughs> I thought he was uh, at the end of last season and how good I would argue uh, I thought he was over the summer with people and how passionate I was on those viewpoints so every time I watch him I think man Chris Middleton is really freaking good and the Bucks are really lucky to have him yeah and uh, you know Giannis kind of again um, 
I mean, was fine in the first half, but didn't get a ton of shots. And then the second half, um, you know, he scores, uh, what, 16 of his 24 points in the second half, um, really started to exert his will uh, in the third quarter, um, playing under control. How cool know, is it that he does that now? Pretty damn cool. Like the, the play where he, he, you know, we talked yesterday about him uh, and, and Middleton as well, just sort of being able to really take advantage of smalls on the block. You know, he had Luwawu at one point just spun on him and, and got an easy layup. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, just, just kind of little stuff like that. I mean, finishes 24 points on 13 shots, eight boards, five assists, two steals, three blocks, no turnovers. Um, you know, and again, didn't even feel like it was Giannis sort of, you know, at his most dangerous, um, but still, um, you know, putting up just kind of like numbers that very few guys uh, can do. Uh, I was I was kind of surprised. I thought maybe Jason Kidd would let him rest the entire third quarter, or sorry, fourth quarter. He comes back in with the game. You know, I mean, it's sort of those things. Both him like, and Middleton. I was surprised both of yeah, them came back in. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, you were kind of wondering, okay, is this where Terrence Jones gets his first action as a buck. I'm not sure if he's even practiced yet. Um, so might've been one of those deals where he wanted to let, um, let, you know, Jones maybe get one game, uh, game or two under his belt and get a practice in or something before he throws him in. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, we'll see. Uh, Spencer Hawes, uh, six minutes, one for four, two points, two assists. I, I guess the Spencer Hawes, um, supernova, uh, was was a fleeting thing. I, Ooh, I don't... Frank, did you see my poll? I want you to. I want your opinion on it. I don't think I saw it. What okay, was it? so I ran a poll today, and I asked Spencer Hawes scored 16 points in 17 minutes on Saturday night. Will Spencer Hawes either score 16 points in another game or play 17 minutes in another game this season for the Bucks? Either or, he doesn't have to do both. Just one of the two. Will he do either of those things in a Bucks uniform this season? I mean, I definitely don't expect him to score 16 points again. Um, 17 minutes. Uh, I, I I would guess he probably won't hit either of those again. Right. That that yeah. That's kind of where I was. It ended at a 51 percent no, 49 percent yes. So I mean, I think that means it was a good poll and like a good question. But I don't know if he ever gets there again. Yeah. And and I'm fine with that because as Same. you said, he's Spencer it, Hawes. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Paul Henning pointed this out. I was looking at a uh, uh, on John Henson since we were just talking about John Henson and whether playing Thon Maker actually you know hurts the Bucks relative to John Henson. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Paul tweeted that in the last six games in which Henson has DNP'd, uh, the Bucks are undefeated. Yeah, they Indiana, Detroit, Brooklyn, Phoenix, Clippers, Raptors, uh, all wins. Um, and <laughs> in the games in which he played, Denver lost 18 oh, minutes. No. Cleveland lost 20 minutes. Utah lost 13 no. minutes. Lakers lost 16 minutes. Heat lost 26 minutes. They did. He did play 25 minutes in the uh, win in Phoenix, the 137-112 win. So, um, so at least that kind of went uh, <laughs> a little bit better. But yeah, it's uh, not a high correlation. I, in fairness. <laughs> And obviously, I am not historically a, a big defender of John Henson. <laughs> God bless him. Um, in fairness, I think a number of those games in which he came in, it was kind of a, oh, shit, this isn't going well. Screw it. Throw in Henson type thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if necessarily he had a ton to do with 
the Bucks losing some of those games, but obviously the Bucks being successful, winning six straight games in which he hasn't played at all is um, I don't. It's it's a thing. I don't. I don't it, think it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'll say that. I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's shocking. Um, you know, and a lot of that's just because Greg Monroe is by far the best center on the Bucks. Um, but again, it's kind of one of those funny things. Like Thon Maker just kind of runs around and looks overwhelmed at times. And you know, I don't know if he's capable. Of, like, I don't know if he knows what he's doing at the time. But um, but for some reason, the Bucks don't really seem to be any worse for it. How about Thon's first five minutes tonight? He was fa- he was fantastic. He, he had one block. There was another one. I don't know why they didn't give him a block because he certainly tipped it. I guess maybe because it still hit the rim. Uh, so essentially two blocks, a charge taken, and then a three for Thon. And I think that was all in the first four minutes, five minutes of the game. Um, that was kind of what what you're imagining, um, what you're what you're hoping for with Thon. Um, so that was kind of cool. Also, they ran elbow get with Giannis a couple times, um, Giannis and Thon. Um, so that was interesting and fun. Um, I'm trying to think of other things in this game. Mirza Toledovic actually playing 21 minutes, two of six from three. Um, obviously didn't set the world on fire, but... Six three-pointers certainly helps you get to 33 attempts on the night. Um, I guess that's probably it from this game. Is there anything I else? mean, Thon taking a charge and not being, you know, torn in half is uh, <laughs> feels, feels like a win. So, yeah, uh, he, one for four from three, so not exactly uh, on fire there. But um, at a minimum, he, uh, he, I think he was what, 0 for 5 over the weekend or something like that. So, yeah, I think so. Um, he at least got off his schneid a little bit. And, and as we said, hey. You don't have to. You don't have to make all your threes. People, people think you're going to make them. It's, it's that's that's worth something too. So, um, so yeah, um, Bucks, Bucks, and Malcolm in in the uh, can can they steal the Roy from uh, Joel Embiid bowl? Malcolm Brogdon, six of seven shooting, thirteen points, five boards, one assist, one steal, one block. Had about a you know half of those seem to come on uh, cuts to the rim as per usual. Uh, Dario Saric, five out of fifteen, uh, fourteen points, eight rebounds, six assists, oh, two steals. No, that's not good for Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, because because rookie of the year voters don't care about shooting percentage. There's uh, efficiency is not a thing. They no, they are concerned about. Thing. So, um, so yeah, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what that what that shakes out for for uh, for Brogdon, but ultimately but it means he doesn't get the award. Like, yeah. yeah, I think that it would pro- be a crime. It would be a crime to me if Dario Saric wins the Rookie of the Year over Joel Embiid. Like, like it, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think Brogdon is better. I mean, I think Brogdon has been better than than Saric. But I, I, as I said the other night, I think hell, I'd still just give it to Embiid just because he's been so much infinitely better than anybody. Um, but it, it, the idea of Saric winning it over Embiid just seems especially annoying because they're both on the same team. But yeah, that that would be hurtful. Um, to see him win that. Okay, that's gonna be it. We we can talk some more about the Bucks tomorrow. We'll have a, a little bit of a day there before another game, which is which has not been kind of happening lately because we've had those strange Friday Saturday back to backs, and we're gonna have another one this weekend. But uh, we'll have a day uh, to kind of talk and then get you ready uh, for the next Bucks game, and that'll be against the Knicks on Wednesday. So we'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been Locked On Bucks for Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. We'll talk to you tomorrow.